Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. As sometimes happens on this show, I got to rely on Joe to kind of keep me in check and let me let it. Let, I have to ask you if I'm the one being wrong or naive or anything like that. Uh huh. Okay, so here we go. So the Bills make a couple of position coach changes. Uh huh. They elevate and promote and keep in house both their linebackers coach, Al Holcomb, goes from senior defensive assistant to a position coach. Mm-hmm. You might say senior defensive assistant sounds like it's higher, but a position coach is actually. Yeah. Those other titles are kind of like you're here and you're hanging and you're ask, we're asking you to do some different things, but that's a, a position coach is actually a, a bigger deal. Yeah. They move Marcus West from assistant D-line coach to D-line coach. Okay. After Eric Washington left. As soon as that news hits, I see a lot of fans upset because they're keeping it in-house. and They haven't won a Super Bowl, and you're just running it back. Somebody even said the definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over. Maybe I'm the naive one. I just want to be like, dude, really? Like, these people... Like in any job, in any walk of life, have learned the system. They know it. They're the people underneath. They've, they have also worked to be earn these positions, A. Mm-hmm. It's not like the D-line sucked all year. Mm-hmm. But I get it. The last game of the year is what people, oh, you, last two years, the D-line sucks. So why would you promote the assistant D-line coach? Um, I just don't, I don't know what there is to be upset about. To, I mean, I had people on social media Asking me, and again, I'm not, hey, maybe you're right, and I'm asking Joe what he thinks here, so mm-hmm. I'll get his thought. I had people telling me on social media, there's thousands of other coaches out there, D1 coaches and other teams and people you know on other staffs who may have been let go. Yes, that's true. 
there's also those people who don't necessarily know your system, your players, your technique. You have to onboard them. You don't know what you're getting. I'm not saying there can't be better coaches, but that's also these people assuming that Marcus West isn't a good enough coach, for example. This is one where I would assume you're going to get a certain, it might not be a large group of people, but either way, no matter what happens, someone's going to be upset by it. If you stay in house, then the people that pretty much just want Sean McDermott gone, I think, are going to be like, well, you haven't won the Super Bowl yet, and like, see, you just you, you never change things, whatever. I think those are mostly the get McDermott out of here people. If you could actually say though for both, because what if they had hired out outside of the building? You would have probably a different group of people that would be coming at you with, see, they can't retain coaches. Ha! I love it. That's right. Right. That's so right. So I think kind of this is one of those where no matter what happens, <laughs> like there's going to be some That's people right. that that are just going to want to make it a problem. Either way, I don't think it's much of anything. I don't think it's anything that you need to be upset about. I mean, that they're promoting guys from within. They're, they bring guys in from out of... I mean, Joe Brady wasn't in the Bills building when they brought him in to be the quarterback coach. Joe, Marcus West, this guy we're talking about, came in last year. Right. He was literally brought right, in a year. a year ago. Yeah. So and, was Al Holcomb. And Al Holcomb, who was They weren't on staff for, the, for six years. Yeah. Holcomb was calling plays for the Panthers right yes! before that. Um, and don't we think... I mean, I don't know this, but don't we think they're probably going to go out of the building for quarterback coach? Ooh, that's a good question. Is there an obvious person this is actually, in the building right now? Yes, there are. There are three. Okay. I okay. just tweeted about this today. I just posted a video, actually, if you want to check that out at Sales Sports. But the, the, there are three people in-house you could go with. Mark Lubick was the assistant quarterbacks coach. He's in-house. Okay. He's also slash game management. So like an analytical side. Yeah. Right? Mike Shula is the senior offensive assistant. Right. So that would be the same kind of move they made with Al Holcomb, but on the other side. Yep. And then you have Kyle Shermer, who played quarterback in college a little bit briefly in the NFL. Mm -hmm. His dad is Pat Shermer, and he is actually an offensive quality control coach. So he's on staff as well. Okay. So I do think they have three in-house candidates, and I would not be stunned if one came from there. Okay. If that quarterback's coach. It is, by the way, the only position I see that they do not have it filled yet. Every other position, yeah. could there be a change? Sure. Could we get to the combine and we find out that some, I don't know, the wide receiver, the running back, the line, whatever, that there's a change? Yes, that could happen. That's, but that's as of when, right uh, now. That's when Leslie Frazier walked away right around, I think, timing-wise. exactly right. Last year. So, as of right now, the only actual position coach they do not have filled is quarterback's coach. Okay, so let's take that. Mm -hmm. What would be better? To go outside because you need a new fresh pair of eyes and... You know, all the things that go along with those talking points or, mm -hmm. hey, people have been here. They've developed a relationship with Josh Allen. They know the system. Mm -hmm. you, That's one where, and I would be coming at this from a pre pretty ignorant place where I have no clue, and the Bills would know better here. McDermott would know better. Bean would know better. Like Kyle Shermer, for instance. Mm -hmm. What He's he's young, right? He's in his 20s still because he was playing yeah. Yeah. not long ago, right? Yeah. He is, he's 27 years old. Mm -hmm. So... Is he's they, Josh Allen's age. He's Josh Allen's age. That is funny. <laughs> is he, is he Allen 28 yet? I think he might be, I think but he's, yeah. I think he's, he'll, he's 27 now. I think he'll be 28 before the season. There you go. I think. Um, so the Bills would know what his future looks like, how ready he is right now after only a couple of years on the coaching staff. But if they think, hey, this guy is going to be a coordinator one day, we're going to make him the quarterback coach now, and then maybe he's a 
he's ready to go. When Joe Brady either, you know, I guess he could be fired. We never thought that about Ken Dorsey or probably more likely at some point would get a head coaching job. Then, okay, this is the guy. He's ready to go. Promote him to offensive coordinator. They would have to know or think he's a couple years away from that. I could see yep. him being a, t- a coordinator in two years. That would have to come from them. I have no idea whether Kyle Shermer is anywhere near that or whether these other guys, maybe Mike Shula because he's more of a veteran coach, you might feel like you know what you're getting there. Mm-hmm. I would be more excited, though, I think, if they brought in Joe Brady 2.0 to be their quarterback coach. I don't know who that name is, but a guy that, like, you know, is a name we know and would think, okay, this is this is the guy that they're bringing in just in case Joe Brady gets a head coaching job next year and they don't have to do a whole new, you know, offensive coordinator search. Okay, two things on that. Number one, excited, you use the word excited. Obviously, excited doesn't mean better, right? No, that's right, that's right. You might get excited about it, but the better guy on staff might be. Let me tell you, you know whose resume this is? Offensive coordinator of the Buccaneers, quarterback's coach of the Dolphins, head coach at Alabama, quarterback's coach of the Jaguars, quarterback's mm-hmm. coach of the Panthers, offensive coordinator of the Panthers, offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach of the Giants, quarterback's coach of the Broncos. That's Mike Shula. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't he kind of fit the mold of this guy's been around, he's seen everything? Yeah. So you could make the argument either way. And yes, a fresh set of eyes. I totally get that. But to your point, Joe, what you just said, I think that's exactly what they did with Al Holcomb. I think Sean McDermott probably knew, hey, in a year from now, I might lose Eric Washington. I might lose Bobby Babich. I might lose somebody. I need a guy in here now yeah. who I say can touch all the different spots. And then when it comes time, if I lose somebody, I can just put him in that spot. I think that's what they did with Al Holcomb, what you're suggesting they could do with the mm-hmm. new quarterbacks coach. Right. Yeah, p- pretty much. They could do that. Um I might hope the Shula idea wouldn't excite me at all. Right. Like I, like Shermer maybe, but again, that's from me not knowing, but Shermer coming up through the sport in a different era than, than you know, Shula is what, near 60? Probably right about. I mean, he's yeah, been he's coaching in the league forever. Yeah, okay, so like for me, like the fresh set of eyes would maybe be important there. When they hired Joe Brady, he was 32 years old I don't want to just make it an age thing but on did, some did, level like the coach the coaching game is getting younger across yes. the league and right. I think the guy I would want to give an opportunity there would be someone that's just getting his head coaching getting his coaching career going rather than being mm-hmm. maybe on the back half of his coaching career. yeah for sure I totally get that what would you think about how it let's just say for example Brian Dable was on the market which he's not Hmm. Where, which category would you put him in? He's only 48, but he has that same kind of resume I just read to you yeah. from Mike Shula. He's one where I just think he's too big to ever be a positional coach again. Of course, right? But, yeah. I mean, if he was, if he was, what, which kind of category would you put him in? Oh, fresh eyes, I need the young guy that's coming in. Or would you, ah, eh, you know what, he's been around, he came up in a different area, he came on under Belichick. Yeah, he's a little bit in the middle, I guess. Yeah. So you get a little bit of both, I think, with, with yeah. Dable. Um, him, of course, you have proof in the pudding that he knows what works with this quarterback. And we've seen it work, and we've seen it be executed before. So the question marks, of course, with him wouldn't be present that they are with uh, with guys that would currently be on the staff and also guys you would bring in. I mean, even Brady, there were question marks. He had That had not gone well for him in Carolina. He had called plays. He had been an offensive coordinator. It had not gone particularly well. Right. So you didn't know what it would look like, but you knew – 
hey, young coach, not a ton of experience. Maybe you're molding him a little bit as you bring him into your own building. That's what I'd want to see. And maybe Shermer is that guy. Maybe Shula, they think, can just step right in, and then they don't have to have all those question marks. But I look at quarterback coach for this team as almost like a developmental role, as they're going to have offensive coordinator changeover no matter what happens, at least over a period of several years. And I look at that job as a little bit of, okay, you're working with Allen, that's important, but a little bit of a developmental role to work underneath the offensive coordinator because the way the league is now, if you're a quarterback coach Mm -hmm. on a team that has a great offense with a great quarterback, you're pretty likely to eventually get Offensive coordinator gig. jobs, let it's alone a great gig to jobs. have, right? It's the best positional coach job you can have, I think. I in the coaching right. ranks. If you're with a guy like Josh Allen, let me also throw this out there, just so everybody's clear. So let's say it doesn't matter. Getting back to, oh, they're just staying in house and doing the same thing, or they're going to get somebody else. It does not matter who you have in that role in this one regard. That that person's still going to teach the techniques and the scheme that the defensive coordinator wants, like. You could have Marcus West, the D-line coach. Mm-hmm. Or Anthony Weaver could have come over as a D-line coach. He's now the uh, defensive coordinator oh, for the Dolphins, Miami. right? Yeah, Miami. He used to be in Buffalo. You could have Joe Sneaky Joe DiBiase be the defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. You know what they're going to do? Exactly what the defensive coordinator wants as far as their scheme and their technique. They're not going to come in and go, no, 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 I do it this way. That's not how it works, folks. So if you're upset that they kept it in-house because you want a fresh set of eyes. I get that part of it where, hey, sometimes you need a new perspective, but that person is still going to work within the framework of what you're doing. Yeah, It's no different than any other job. We could hire a, a host come in here mm-hmm. and sit here. Yeah, they're going to have their ideas, and they're going to talk about and have their opinions, Yeah, but they still got to break three times an hour right? and work within our clock, and they still have to follow the rules of the company. Oh, and yeah. it's, it doesn't it doesn't work where you just go do what you want. Yeah, you can't you can't come in here and just spend an hour on the Seattle Mariners. So you're probably not oh, gonna. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Not gonna last very long, I would think. Seattle Mariners. That'd be. Are they I, good, I tried are they to, good pick, to talk I, about. I tried to pick the most random sports team that popped into my head. Imagine. Did you read the story about Ichiro over the weekend and Tom Brady? No. I don't believe the it. only Brady content I took in this weekend was him topping a golf ball five feet I saw at that. the pro am. There's a. Story quote out there someone found and repopulated, maybe. I'm not sure. There's a story that goes like this. This is 2017. Okay, apparently mm-hmm. 2017. Mm-hmm. Ichiro gets a random text on his phone. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, the text says, hey, I got your number from A-Rod. I'd really like to meet up with you to talk about your uh, stretching regimen. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And Ichiro relays this story to a trainer. Hey, I got this text. And the person goes, oh, who text? Who is it? He goes, I don't know. Some guy named Tom Brady. Who's Tom Brady? <laughs> you now, know who Tom I don't, Brady was? Okay, I don't believe that. I, don't, there, I, think that's, that, I think he had to be joking if that's true. There's no way in 2017 Ichiro Suzuki did not know who Tom Brady was. I do not believe that. I think wherever that story went, whichever tentacle and however – it, it went, to me, it's him joking with the trainer. Yeah, who's Tom Brady? I don't know who that is. Dude, Tom Brady played the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl while Ichiro was in Seattle. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think there's a chance he Come would. Come on! I think there's a chance he wouldn't have known. Would Ichiro have been in Seattle? Because they'd be in the offseason. 
I, maybe he wasn't residing there right there at that moment. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I know, but I don't know. I feel he like didn't he hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Tom Brady won. You think your Churro didn't know anything about that? I think it would just be for me the reason why I might believe that it wasn't him would be. Also, I think looking at his career now, I was pulling it up for a different reason. I think he's with the Yankees at that point in time. Okay, um, sorry, either, sorry, but folks. Way, but he's so he's so ingrained in Seattle. Yes. That, that part of it's right. Okay. Um. I think it's a cultural thing, which would have me believe there's a chance he wouldn't know. Like, he shows up in just no time for football whatsoever. Don't care. I, I just, no, no, not worried about it. It's not a part of my life at all. You know, it's the, the type of media he consumes, right? I might believe that he didn't know who Tom Brady was. I got to find Did you see it? Have you found this quote? Now, uh, I was looking. I was, I'm going to find it, it for did, you real quick, and, I'll, up, and yeah. I'll do this. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to find this for you. Here we go. All right, here we go. I'm going to read this for you. Tell me if you believe this. One morning in spring training, 2017, he was in the coach's room looking at his cell phone text messages. Each year old told the coaches about one message he had just received from a number he didn't recognize. The guy said he had gotten each year's number from Alex Rodriguez, and that he wanted to come to meet him and study his stretching system. What's the guy's name? Asked one of the coaches. Each year old strolled to the end of the text. Some guy named Tom Brady. Who the F is Tom Brady? I don't believe it. I think I believe him. I think I want to believe him. I believe that he doesn't know. I'm sorry. I don't know exactly where this quote came from. I, I see it written, and I apologize. I got it, but they don't credit. So my apologies on that. Come on. I just don't believe it. <laughs> He's got to know. I'm telling you, I don't. I don't think he would. I don't know. All right. I would need some evidence that he's like even been to a football game before I'm like willing to believe that. I don't even need that. I, let's find out what Walter thinks. Uh, let's start us off. We'll get connected with our fans. Walter, hey, try, Walter, do you think Ichiro actually knew who Tom Brady was, or is that true? Uh, I, I want to think it's just a joke because I mean, who I doesn't know. know who Tom Brady Come is? On. Right? <laughs> Come on, if you're involved in North American sports in any capacity, you got to know who Tom Brady is. <laughs> so it must have been a joke. It must have been, but. I got a couple takes for you, gentlemen. Uh, if you don't mind, you have a little patience with me. Mm-hmm. First of all, Joe, God bless you. I love you. I love listening to you. But for you to say the U.S. is going to win the Olympics in 2020. Ooh, here we go. It's on. Damn right they are. Uh, okay, well, you know what? We got two years to jostle with this. Let me ask you. You're doing that uh, paper exercise and, mm-hmm. you know, matching up the two teams. And, and remember, it's not played on paper, but on the ice. But who are you going to match up with? McDavid, McKinnon, Bedard, and Crosby up the middle, and McCart on the D. I hear, I hear you, Walter. But listen, I, and I might not disagree. Like three of the best four players might be on that Canadian team, but you tell me a time in hockey history where the U.S. hasn't come closer center-wise, where they can line up Matthews, Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel, and if Tate Thompson can get it together in the next two years, you can throw him down the center too. But those three, I mean, they they can hold their own. Sketchy guys, uh, sorry, that's your brother. Sketchy, sketchy guys, Joe. I don't know. Eichel's off and on with the injuries. I mean, you're still wondering about Thomas. I mean, can you imagine a Canadian power play? They're gonna score like a fifty percent clip. Before we get too far down this rabbit hole, real quick, Walter, who's making saves? Who's who's playing? Who's goal? playing goal for Canada? You know what? If you're scoring seven a game, that's oh. what I thought. And Bennington, Bennington rides. Walter, up. then you just Bennington. you know what? Walter, they're the Leafs, Bennington. and that's all they are. They're the Leafs. That's Get what they are, Walter. With crazy guy Bennington. 
<laughs> he he shows up when he has to play. Oh. And we got two years to figure it out. All right. Yeah, and by then, Sidney Crosby will be 40. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. I don't know. He might be like LeBron-esque, though, where he's uh, still he'll going be 38, strong. He'll be 38. All right, Walter, I, got a, I do have a question for you. What is the chances? What are the chances? 2030, both you guys, Devin Levi, Canadian Olympic goalie. Well, you know, I think the Sabres are... 2030. Finally, I think he's... I, he might be... He might be there sooner if they have some sort of it's 28. I think the Sabres are finally playing him properly. They're not overexposing him. They're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'm they, just looking at the landscape. I'm t- not, I don't care about the Sabres part of it. I'm just thinking about yeah. the actual team and where they'll be in six years for Olympics. Well, in six years, it's almost a given if he continues right. on the trajectory. He may even be in two years. You know, two years is a lifetime in any spot. All right. Here we go, Joe. What do you think? Thanks, Walter. Appreciate it. By the way, getting connected with our fans always brought to you by Northtown Kia. Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Yeah, I don't know how far the rabbit hole you want to go on this, but like Levi for that Team Canada in two years, it's unlikely, but they don't have anybody. Like he, I, I'd have to do a d- deep dive into like other teams' goalie prospects. Mm-hmm. But if he takes a big jump in the next two years, he's he's Canada's goaltender. That's it. Would have to be in the Tristan Jari and Aiden Hill are their two goaltenders right now. Like average starting goalies in the NHL, at best. When do they actually choose the team? Because wouldn't he have to kind of have the year next year to do it? I think probably like the fall of twenty five. Yeah, by the so time got, they go to camp in twenty five, like he'd he's have got a year and a half. He'd have to be like the number one guy in Buffalo and and doing well. Yeah, I, yeah, there, yeah. I don't think there's any way you could. Have maybe I Again, guess though, we're at Jordan you're right, Bennington. You're right. Like, you're right. It's, you're it's, right. It's, you know, I don't know how good he really has to be. <laughs> the U.S. he would never make the team because they have like three of the top five goalies in the world. Mm. Um, but listen, hey, Walters from Toronto, I get it. McDavid, McKinnon, like these are the best guys in the world, but the U.S. can. Uh, can match up. They need Tage Thompson to get back to 50-goal Tage, and then they'll have another one. He's got a year and a half, too. He might not make the team at this rate. 803-0550 if you want to jump on board. That's a I'm excited for it. good question. Things, a lot of things can change in a couple of years before these before this happens. Yeah. Although there'll be a tournament next year, too. A little bit yeah, of a predetermining. I, I'm still very, very unclear on this. Are we just eliminating anybody from non those non-four nations? Yeah, just for next year. Four, they are in called the four, the four nation nations. face-off. Yeah, um, just a precursor to the Olympics. I think they're replacing the All Star Game with it. Right. So it'll be like a week long, two week long event, and it's only U.S., Canada, Sweden, and Finland. And I think a big reason why they limited it to four is because they don't want to deal with making a decision on Russia right now. Probably Political reasons. Right. They want to push that off as far as possible. Sounds about right. Um. And then 26 is Olympics and 30. They're committing to both right now. And maybe a World Cup in 28. So you might get four. You'll get two Olympics, which we care about the most. But you might get four international tournaments in the next five years. Where are are these Olympics? 26 is Italy. Italy. And 30 will be France. All right. So a couple of European. So more. you'll get it in the mornings over here. Well, the home ice advantage for those Europeans. They're going to have the home ice advantage over there a couple That's times. Right. You know, U.S. is going to win them both. 803-0550, uh, if you want to jump on board. Are we at all to the point of the Matias Samuelson contract being a bad one? Uh, not yet, but you have to ask the question. I mean, it's a long-term just, commitment, and he can't stay healthy. He just, he's hurt all the time. Yeah, He's a good player when he's on the ice. He helps. He's a nice player. He yep. just has never been healthy. Uh, fully they, healthy for a long stretch of time. Yeah, they they they're going to need him. They're only into year one of a seven year contract. I, I like the player too. 
Um, although even on that front, like he didn't progress this year. I don't know if he's one of my top regression candidates, um, but he certainly didn't take like he didn't reaffirm like oh I could be a top pair defenseman with Rasmus Dahlin the next seven years. Like he wasn't playing up to that caliber, and the injuries piled on top of it. That of the extensions they've done, like Cousins and Thompson have regressed in a big way, but. They were already good values. Like, Thompson was playing like a $10 million hockey player last year. At 30-plus goals, even as a disappointment, he's probably worth $7 bucks. And Cousins, I have confidence, will get back to his level. He's already starting to do it. Power's the other one. But Power, it's so early and he's so young that that's going to keep you hopeful, I think, for at least a few years. Whereas Samuelson, like, hey, he's, you know, 23. And that's still young. But a lot of your development's already done by the time you're 23. So this might be as good as he gets, and we have the injury questions on top of it. Now, his cap hit's not as big as those other guys, but of the guys they've signed in like the last year and a half, I think he's the one I'm most worried about. Yeah. More more than power. I know power's a bigger number, but I, I just, you know, sophomore slump, Darlene had the same thing, right, before he took another step forward. Um I think Power's too talented to not get there eventually, even though it's going slower than all of us want. Yeah, I agree. I, it feels like it, at some point, he is so young, and I know Samuelson is young too, but it feels like he's so young, that will that will eventually come. The, he gets all yeah. this, the number one pick, he's throwing in right away, he gets the money, maybe you just got it, there, Maybe there's so, an adjustment period that you know we yep. weren't prepared for here yep. with Owen Power, but that could happen. Um, Owen Power, a Team Canada guy? He, I saw, I was looking up some uh, projections from, like, the fall, uh-huh. and he was on a couple of guys' lists. Mm-hmm. If you look at them from, like, the last week, he's not on anybody's list. So he could. He would have to, he would have to really take a step, though. Which, he, hey, he could, he could do. He should. He was the number one pick. He got compared to Victor Hedman. Hedman, by the way, also had a little bit of a slow start to his career. So, like, there, that sh- it should be in there, but it's just troubling when... He's harder for this than Darlene. Darlene in his first couple years, it wasn't going great. You saw a flash every once in a while. And it's because of the type of player he is, right? He's a skilled player. He's a big puck mover. Makes all the stick handling moves that you can make. You saw flashes with Darlene. Power's not a flashy player. Mm-hmm. And he's also not a physical player. So when he's not playing well, it kind of looks like he's doing nothing. I, I I wish he'd be more a little more physical for his size. That's the, I that's, agree with that. That's yeah. the knock I have on him. If he could be a little more physical with his because of his size, he should be. And I'm not Mister. You know, I need no, my no, no, six, no. six defenseman cross checking nope, everybody. Nope, agreed. But yeah, he looks to me like he doesn't know how to use his frame, or or like maybe he's got to put on twenty pounds of muscle in the next two years. Like yeah, that element needs. He shouldn't be pushed off the puck. With that right. frame, and it happens a lot too. It happens way too often. Jeff in Buffalo. Before we hit the break, and then Paul Hamilton on the other side. What's up, Jeff? Hey guys. Um, you know what? I was listening to your conversation. I, I, what I wanted to talk about is Bills pending free agents, uh, pre- yeah. particularly uh, Floyd. But listening to your conversation with the Sabers, if I can just vary off of my question, because sure. I, I, I go I, ahead, I, go right ahead. You know, I, I've been a. I divulge my age. I'm 58 years old. I've been a Sabres fan since I can remember. I mean, I remember them drafting Gilbert Perot. And God bless you, Sabres fans. I've lived in Buffalo my whole life, and like I said, for the first 40 of it, I was a Sabres fan. And I got to say, you really got to wonder. I mean, it's great to think, oh, down. But 
the big picture with the Sabres is, I hate to be that guy, but it's horrible. I mean, and then you go, when you get to this point of where you start picking, you know, number ones and you start picking in the top three, and then uh, they're here for three years and you sign them for seven, I can see, and I mean, I hate to be the negative guy here, but you got you got Cage Thompson, you got a few other guys that you've signed long-term, like Dowling, which is a great player, uh, Powers. you got to wonder, like, dude, at some point, aren't you going to like just say, I cannot develop this talent, I cannot develop this use, the next path to do is to start packaging or trading these players for veteran players or players in their mid-20s who have played the NHL game and know how it's played, it's just, I, I just feel so bad for Sabres fans. I just, and like I said, I'm a lifelong Buffalonian. Okay, um, go ahead on your, on, your other, on your Bills point. Yeah, anyway, on my Bills point, um, Leonard Floyd, I read something like, you know, uh, he's all about the money and wants to get done. Is there, do you guys see like any possible way, especially uh, the depleted defensive end, that they do somehow wiggle out some kind of contract or a uh, huge signing bonus and get them under some, uh, you know, a decent salary cap number for him to stay. Because when he came, uh, I was totally excited. Um, good mm-hmm. player, solid in every aspect of the game. Um, mm-hmm. I know he's a little bit long in the twos, or he's getting up there for a defensive end, but he still produces. So, I mean, you know, and it's a Poyer, do you think Poyer will come back at all? I think Poyer's right, a boy. I, I, well, let's, let's, start, let's start with Floyd. Floyd, I think, is more likely to be re-signed than Epinesa. If you ask me, he was more productive sack wise, but age is big here. And I'm looking at Floyd. They somehow worked his contract to the it was a two point six million dollar cap hit mm-hmm. last year. The void years the and void stuff. Years, yep. I don't know how that works if you were to sign him back to the void years. I mean, I guess they, say, they're it, voided. These go away. Well, yeah, I don't know he, how that works. They just go away essentially. Yes, okay. but the void years basically accelerate. That's how they did it. They he's okay. going to count on the cap. He'll count kind of double, basically, if that makes sense. I see. You'll sign him to a new deal, but you already have to take care of the old deal because that's how you did it. Okay. Well, I guess then you've already spent that money, so you know you might right. just have to do the same thing. Let's just let me just put it this way: he was coming off a nine sack season, a nine and a half sack season, and a ten and a half sack season, and he didn't miss a single game in those three years. No injury question, and he was productive. And look at the contract he got. So he was great last year for the Bills. But if nobody wanted to give him a big contract last year, what makes me think that he's not going to be around the same price this year to get back? Right. I always wonder about guys who they take a long time before they sign, and you're like, okay, well, if that's the case. But he had another good year. We'll see. As far as Poyer, I don't know. At this point, I think it's less than 50% chance that Jordan Poyer's back simply by the number, his age, the fact that Brandon Bean said they're going to get younger at some positions. Yep. Um, I just – it feels like that's not the case, but he did come back last year after many of us, including me, thought he would not be. I was going to say, a year ago, we might have put the chances lower than we would right now. Um, the only, the biggest reason I would give it a shot that he could be back is they're basically, they have no other safeties. Right. And maybe just the fact that they are nowhere at the position at this point, you know, might mean, hey, rather than replace four guys, maybe we just bring Poyer back and do three. But I think you're probably right that if I had to put money down on it, I'd probably bet that he wouldn't be back. Emery Hunt's going to join us at the top of the hour, 11 o'clock. Football game plan. He was at the Senior Bowl. 
everything on prospects we need to know, especially wide receivers, interior D-line. We'll do that. In the meantime, Paul Hamilton standing by. He'll join us after this timeout to talk about the Sabres and the latest on Matias Samuelson missing the rest of the year and where they go here after the All-Star break, getting back after it with a game tomorrow night. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. We haven't talked to Paul in about a week. For good reason. The Sabres were off. Paul was off. We're going to get to that in a second. (laughs) And Paul's appearances, we want to remind you because we haven't talked to him in a while. Always here on WGR, brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Planning for your futures about more than just money. Let Equitable be your guide and by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. So uh, Joe told me during the break here, you were at Kennedy Space Station. Did you see a launch, too? Yeah. Wow. We get there, we get there and the guy at the hotel says, hey, there's a launch tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Whoa. We're in. <laughs> we'll be there. It was a unmanned uh, ship going to the uh, uh, the space center up in the sky there. That's cool. And just taking supplies and that type of thing. So it was really cool to see that. They they launch quite a few rockets now. That's why you don't really see them anymore. Remember when launches always used to be on the news networks and everything, and now you, like, never see them. But it was – I'll tell you what, Sal, I don't know if you've ever taken the family down there, but it's it's just so cool. I, I was looking forward to going to the Kennedy Space Center, but it exceeded expectations by – I can't even tell you how much. I mean – you walk in, and the the real Atlantis is hanging from the yep. ceiling. We were there you know? two years ago. I didn't see a okay, launch, good. but we were there two years ago. It was amazing, good. and I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm sure your son was extremely yes. impressed, and I, as I said, I it exceeded my expectations. I just loved every minute of it. It was it was really cool. It's awesome, Joe. You've been there, right? I've been there as well. Yeah. The shuttle there. I did Ugh. not get lucky enough to see a launch, but that would no. be, I, that is definitely a place I want to go back. Next time I'm in Florida. Yeah, and they take you into the, like, the old control rooms where they actually were mm-hmm. when they had some of these launches back at Apollo and all that kind of stuff. Super cool for any history buff, for sure. Um, so what was it like to watch the launch, though, when you saw it like up close? How close did you get? We were like 10 miles away um, and then found out you can actually get closer. I, there was actually a really cool bar on Cocoa Beach at the end of a pier. We went there for a happy hour and looked over. That would have actually been a better view of the launch had mm. we known right. to, to go to the end of the pier and watch it there. Um, and, and they have like grandstands yeah. that you can actually reserve. Now, it costs money to go there. I, I would have paid it had I known. But it just, oh, all right, there's a launch. And the guy goes, you can see it from here. So that's where we went. And we were about 10 miles away from it. You could still see it, but not up close and personal. Now that I've been at the Kennedy Space Center and seen where you can actually get right up on top of these launches, because we went to a launching pad, uh, the, the, the one, uh, 30, 39A and B or 38A mm-hmm. and B, whatever it is. Yep. Um, you know, where many shuttles have taken off and we got to see that up close. But then I got to see where there are vantage points that you can, actually pay for and uh, be really, really close to these launches. And if I had it over again, absolutely, I would do that. Paul Hamilton on the Wester Hotline. Allow me to make a very cheesy radio transition and segue here. <laughs> the Sabres are about to launch the second half of their season, essentially, mm-hmm. here. So here we go. Uh, they're on the launching night, pad. They're on the launching pad. They're ready to go. But, <laughs> Paul, is it a dud? Does it matter? Does it matter here? I mean, what does it matter? What What is the second half all about for this team? Well, the thing is, and I, I was talking with Joe about this earlier, 
you know, since December 30th, they're the third best defensive team in the National Hockey League. Their goaltending has been superb. I mean, in his last nine games, Uko Pekalukinen has put up some of the best numbers in the NHL. So you're getting great goaltending. You've played much, much better defensive hockey. The turnovers are down. You're scoring more goals. I mean, Dylan Cousins seems to be like Dylan Cousins again. Paterka's red hot. I think Thompson is playing better, but the puck's not going into the net for him. Tuck is Tuck. I mean, he just very consistent type of a hockey player. So here you are. In their last 16 games, they're 9-6-1. That's good enough in most years to get you in the playoffs. I believe it's a 97-point pace. The year that the Capitals got in with 100, you wouldn't have gotten in. But most years you get in with that. That's pretty good. And in that time, they've lost a point in the playoff race. They're one point further back than they were before going 9-6-1, which I think is a good record. So that tells you what's happening around them when you're trying to leapfrog. And they've only been able to leapfrog one team, Montreal. And they're still tied with Montreal, but they hold the tiebreakers. So now they have to get over five teams instead of six. So you play, your goaltender's been one of the best in the league. Your defense has been one of the best in the league. Your penalty killing has been some of the best in the league. You're scoring somewhat more goals. And you've lost a point in the playoff race. That has to be frustrating, you know, if you're a team. But you can only control what you can control. And it just goes to show, yeah, 9-6-1 is pretty good. But they're going to probably have to, if, if they want to get back into this, they're probably going to have to go on an 8-9-10 game winning streak. Well, that said, I don't think anybody's expecting that. So if you're Kevin Adams and Don Granado, is that what you do, though? You just say, hey, we're just going to keep trying to win and win and win and See where the chips fall, or do you approach anything differently here in the second half, knowing the situation you're in? Well, you know the trade deadline, you know, comes up, and and you know you you have to you have to now make a decision what you want to do. Uh, you know, if if teams come calling, you know, are are you willing to part with player A or player B? It's it's not impossible to make a hockey trade, and some hockey trades have been made recently. But at the trade deadline, hockey trades normally, and I want to use the word normally, aren't made. That's more of, okay, we have guys on expiring contracts. Let's try to get a pick for them and move on. The type of trade that I think is going to help the Buffalo Sabres more is more of a summer trade. You know, getting a a top four defenseman who, you know, ideally shoots right and and you can put in your lineup. They didn't, they should have done that in the last offseason and didn't. I think they need to get a couple of more forwards that are difficult to play against. I mean, the talent, I I know they've regressed. I'm not extremely concerned that I think Dylan Cousins is more like last year than what you've seen this year. I think Thompson is more like last year than what you've seen this year. Um, I, 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 I So I, I'm not extremely concerned that that's a long-term type of thing. I, I, I like their top six. And if Quinn were to play a full season, I think you'd be seeing him doing what Paterka's doing right now. Um, so, you know, the top six, if you can improve your top six, no question, get out there and improve it. But, you know, I, I still think they championship teams have guys who are hard to play against, like a line of them, that other teams say to themselves, ooh, you know what, I, I, I just, this is going to be a tough night, you know. We're, we're going to be in for it. 
They're going to, you know, they're, you know, every battle is going to be tough against that line, and we don't want to play against that line. You know, Jordan Greenway, I think, maybe is a guy you can count on that. He's one of the best penalty killers in the NHL. Um, I'd like to get a little more production than they have gotten out of him lately. But you could say, okay, you got one of the guys. Um, Robinson, maybe I think you could even do better. Not, I haven't hated Robinson in the way he's played. But Robinson and Gergensen's would fit that. But I think you can do better. Uh, and find guys who are better than those two. But that's where I think those types of trades, and I think they have to be willing to overpay at some point for a player that really they really, really need. If it's that top four defenseman and you need to overpay, you've got the assets, I feel, right now, where if you need to make a trade, not ten of them, but if you need to make a trade where you overpay and give up a couple of your prospects, I think, the time has come in this offseason that you need to do that. Yeah, that's that's the benefit, Paul, of having all the assets is, well, you can outbid anybody. But if someone else is willing to pay market value for a player, well, then you have to be willing to go, all right, well, this is probably a little more than this guy should be worth, but if I don't do it, then I don't get the guy. And on your point about, like, you know, the Greenway types and whatnot, maybe even those types but that produce a little more, I like skill and speed mixed out throughout the lineup, but if you look at the list of players that have made the team recently and that are developing in the system, that type of player you're talking about is not the guy I see, you know, that's that's a mm-hmm. year away from making it. No, you don't see it. It's not that's the thing. That's why they have to get that player because you're right, that player is not in the system. They've got Rochester has guys that fit the AHL, but I'm not convinced that they would fit the NHL uh, as far as that goes. So, you know, I think, I think yes, absolutely, you're right. I think that you have to look outside to get those. And I always use the Lightning as an example where they got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets with a lot of top-end talent. I mean, they certainly had great talent on those teams, but they didn't have the guys we're talking about. And it hurt them once they got into playoffs and got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And they looked at it and said, wait a minute, you know, we have to change those guys. And that's when they out, got out and got maroon in uh, a group like that. Just one line that can go out there and be really, really tough to play against and be a pain. And um, I, I look at what the Vancouver Canucks have done, you know, even before they made this big trade. You know, what they went out and got, and I I look at the end of their lineup, you know, Teddy Bluger, Sam Lafferty, Connor Garland, Dakota Joshua, Nils Hoglander, who was a pick for them. But guys that, I'm looking at the line chart when they came to Buffalo, their stats have changed a little bit, but Hoglander had 12 goals in their bottom bottom, uh, two lines. Uh, Guys that uh, Joshua had 11. Guys that have won. Luger's played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Lafferty is, uh, uh, you know, guys that have won before, but they brought in to help fill in for their stars and the guys that do score goals for them. Now, of course, they have Quinn Hughes. Who, and the, but the Sabres have Rasmus Dahlin, who's not playing like he's he's been better lately. You know, since the Sabres have better defensively, so is he in power. But, you know, he can be what Quinn Hughes does. He can be that dominant elite defenseman the Sabres need him to be elite 
And, of course, they have Thatcher Demko, who is rounded into one of the top goaltenders in the National Hockey League. But that's their blueprint where they looked at it and said, okay, we've got Peterson, we've got JT Miller, we got Besser. You know, we've got these guys in the in the top of the lineup. Now we've got to add to it, and they've gone from a team that maybe wasn't even as good as the Sabres last year to one of the best teams in the National Hockey League just by making those additions. And that's the blueprint, I think, is a good blueprint to making yourself a much, much better team. Did I miss anything while I was kind of unplugged this weekend? Do we know if they're bringing up somebody for Quinn, Kulik, or anyone? Like, do we know? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let in. Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. How they're filling that void. It doesn't sound like it. I feel bad for uh, Rosianne and... uh, and Kulik, they were on their way to San Jose for the All-Star Skills Challenge oh. and to play in the game, and they missed the challenge for because of flight mess-ups. So uh, they weren't able to participate in that. They will be in, there in time for the game, so they're in that. Right now, the Sabres are home for four games. They have one extra forward and one extra D. Eric Johnson and Gergensens are supposed to be cleared today. Uh, that's when they anticipated them to be cleared to play, and that gives them an extra forward and an extra d they do have one roster spot if they would choose to use it but they're covered like in warm-up if a forward gets hurt they got a guy if a defenseman gets hurt they got a guy so uh, it doesn't sound like they're going to use that roster spot right now benson seems to be the guy now that is going to get the opportunity in quinn's spot uh to play with cousins and paterka well they they uh they host dallas tomorrow paul it can't go worse than the last time they hosted dallas which I believe was a 10-goal game against the Sabres at the end of last year. Yeah, and that um, was the one that Comrie had to sit thing. in there yeah, yeah, for the whole thing. Um, and, yeah. yeah, that was – and if I'm one of the Buffalo Sabres, I know it was a year ago. But you know what? I haven't forgotten that game. If I'm, if I'm playing, that's yeah, in the back of my mind that that team walked into my building and embarrassed me. Mm-hmm. And that would be on my mind. One one last quick thing for the second half of the season here. How important should it be even just to get signs that their power play has any life? Because, I mean, last year it was so good. This year it's so bad. And if you look at the list, Paul, of the teams around them, like the bottom ten teams in the league in the power play, like there's like one playoff team. Like you mm-hmm. just can't really be in the mix even if you have a power play that's this bad. And even for the future, I feel like I'm going to want to see – some sign that they they have an answer to what they've been looking like there. 
Yeah, and the thing is, too, you, you look at the penalty kill, and you're, you've been very good there lately and, and, and done that, but the power play is basically the same guys, same coaching staff that was first, second, or third for most of the season last year. It fell right at the end of the year, and I, th- I believe it wound up eighth. Uh, but for the most part, they were the top three power play team in the league. And five-on-five, five, they are one of the better teams in the league at goal scoring. Their five-on-five five goal scoring is, is, is very good. But their problem is they just don't get any goals, and they give up. It seems like they give up more goals than they score on the power play. Uh, shorthanded goals, they're tied for the league lead against. And that's on Darlene. And to a lesser extent, power. A lot of those have been Darlene. Uh, and when I talk about Darlene needs to be an elite defenseman, he is not, neither one of them have been good quarterbacking the two power plays. But they really don't have anybody else to do it. And Darlene can be much, much better, I think, at quarterbacking the power play than he's been. I think that's been part of it right there. And teams decide, all right, we'll shade Tame Tate Thompson. He is not going to beat us. And none of the other four guys have shown that they can be the guy to make other teams pay for that. And that's what they have to do. Other teams have to be worried about both circles. They have to be worried about that quarterback at the top on the blue line. They have to be worried about that guy in the middle. And you saw the Sabres score a couple of power play goals in the last homestand with Tuck attacking the net from the goal line, coming across, sending the pass across to a wide-open middle stat or somebody for goals or great scoring opportunities. And they did a little bit of that. They switched it up a little bit. And that that's what they have to do. Other teams have to be worried about more than Thompson. And right now, that's all they have to worry about. And it totally shuts down the Sabre power play. Sabre stars tomorrow night, 7 o'clock here on WGR on the Sabres radio network. Paul Hamilton at PHPHAM1717 on X slash Twitter. And, of course, WGR550.com. Paul, welcome back. And we look forward to talking to you later in the week. Thank you, and take care, guys. All right, you got it. Paul Hamilton right there. We'll take a timeout. Emery Hunt at 11.05. Emery all over the Senior Bowl, these other bowl games that are going on, prospects, wide receivers, interior D-line. He'll break it all down for us. We'll take a timeout here. We'll come back then. Emery Hunt at 11.05. Joe, what um, number did you wear when you played high school football? 85. I want to know why my high school number is on the board here. 80. I'm looking over. I'm like, are you guys paying uh, tribute to Sal Capaccio, Cleveland Hill yes. Hall of Famer, at number 80 That's there? exactly what we're doing. Okay, actually. I thought so. Do you see that the, uh, I the, have no the idea. logo is on the top? Uh, the logo is a train. That would yep. be the wide receiver train. Yep. 80 would be Jerry Rice's number. Mm-hmm. 80 is also the number of days until oh. the wide receiver train comes into, uh, not comes into port, comes into station. Yeah, there we go. Eighty boats. I miss. Thank, thank I miss the. <laughs> I miss the eighties for for not the decade. The number eighty for wide receivers. Jerry Rice. Yeah. James Lofton, Steve Largent, yeah. like all the great guys were eighty. My guy growing up. The reason I wore eighty was Jerry Butler of the Buffalo Bills. Jerry Butler. I said earlier that I'm out on Lad McConkey, who uh, tore up the Senior Bowl because uh-huh. he wears number eighty four. No, and it just doesn't look good to me. 80s, I don't know. Eighties are the. I that's need the him receiver number. Number four. He'd look better to me if he was wearing we, number four. We have created this generation of. They think the better receiver numbers are these low teen numbers and single. No, yep. eighty. Andre Reid was 83. It's 
Tim Brown, 81. Who changed this? Because you want to, like, you, you wore 80 because of uh, Jerry Butler. Jerry Butler. Yeah. I wore 85 because I loved Chad Johnson. There you go. And because there were, like, three other yes. numbers I wanted that were off the table, so it was my fourth choice. <laughs> um, but anyways, you pick numbers because of who you watched and loved as a kid, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I wear 61 in hockey because of Max Finneganoff. I love it. Why is Justin Jefferson wearing number two? I don't know. why. Although, to be fair, he wears 18. He wore two at LSU. Why is uh, Jamar Chase wearing number one? Who do you watch growing up can, wearing number one? Nobody, right? He's cre- Hey, there, no, say, as a coach, you create your own, but you're right. They're all creating their own, I think. Yes, but you're right. If you liked somebody growing up, they didn't wear those numbers if you played those positions. Right. That you, position. They, you would be wearing, if like, who's Jamar Chase emulate growing up? Randy Moss? Well, no, he's younger than me, so actually it would probably be like the Chad Johnsons and the Steve Smiths. and those Thurman guys. Thomas wore 34 because of Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell yeah. was 34. Thurman grew up in Texas. He loved him. He wore 34. Yep. Now you get to the NFL, nah, nah, I'm three or I'm four. James Cook wears four. Yeah. Where he came into the league, he didn't right? because he didn't have that. He's twenty eight. Well, I mean, good for them that they're 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 making their own and they want they're going to be yeah. the guys that are being emulated. All right, we got number eighty. Listen, eighty days. It's a tight end number now. Uh, it is eighty. Eighty days. It is a tight end number. We'll take a timeout. Emory Hunt's going to join us. Speaking of the wide receiver train, we will talk with him about the prospects, what he saw at the Senior Bowl, moving forward, interior D line. I asked him to be ready about those two specific positions, so I know he's going to have a lot of info on that. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Emory Hunt on the other side. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. Knicks keeps underneath Troy Franklin to the outside. Franklin lowers his shoulder. He's in. Touchdown, Oregon. The wide receiver train 
is moving forward every day in full effect. How long has this train been going on? How many years now? Like four? Officially, probably more like two. The The sentiment's been around for four, but I think the train itself, probably two, I think. Well, we're going to have a guy on now to talk all about it because we got to tell our guy, Emery Hunt, who's joined us many times before here on WGR. Emery, and do I, I can't pull up Emery and Emery here. Do you have him on there? Sorry about that. Sorry, Emery. Hold on. There we go. There's our guy, Emery Hunt, on the Wester Hotline. Emery, we have a... Um, we have a thing our morning show host, Jeremy White, has coined the wide receiver train over the last couple of years, but especially here this year because he is on this train. He wants, and we all believe the Bills need to add a wide receiver. So we're going to talk a lot about wide receivers with you, buddy. And by the way, I hope you're doing well, my man. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's uh, great to be on talking about uh, football once again. Because, again, it's, it's that time. It never ends over here, to be honest. Yeah. Hey, Emery, let's do one second. We're going to disconnect with you. We're going to reconnect. Uh, we have a little bit of a bad connection, so we'll get that. Yeah, I remember the wide receiver train last year. I remember the wide yep, I thought I remember it two years ago. Year, and probably two years ago because that's the draft class with – that's not the Metcalf A.J. Brown draft class, is it? No, that is the Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devonta Smith. Okay, I know that we were definitely talking about it then because I remember – being very in on the idea of Elijah Moore. And more so, earlier than that, Rondell Moore. I was obsessed wow. with Rondell Moore. And that, Those are some names. That's fine. I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. He's just kind of a gadget guy, I feel like, in the league. But I can tell you for sure we were talking about it then because I was obsessed with Rondell Moore, that whole draft class. We and, could go all the way back to 2014 and Sammy Watkins and trading up for him, and then Odell goes after Sammy Watkins, and he turns out to be who he was. Yep. But that was all about getting EJ weapons. That was all about you know helping out your hopeful franchise quarterback. And then the year after, we were definitely doing it because I remember wanting Jamison Williams, and yeah. he's fine. And uh, not, not we, amazing. But. We should have a better connection with Emery. Emery, we apologize about that. And of course, you can find Emery Hunt at CBS Sports HQ, and he is on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. So welcome back in. Good to talk with you again. And we are definitely on the wide receiver train. It's a good year to be on the wide receiver though train, though, isn't it, Emery? Oh, absolutely. You, you have a smorgasbord of, of types of wide receivers that you're looking for. You want someone vertical, there's those. You want someone as versatile, you have a bunch of those guys. And there's always a bevy of slot receivers as well. So this is a great year, I feel like, for any type of wide receiver. All right, so let's run through some of those flares. Let's say the Bills – okay, I'm going to go back to two weeks ago, Emery. General Manager Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott spoke to the media. They talked about explosive plays, all right? So we're not talking about move the chain guys here. We're talking about explosive type of players. Where should the Bills be maybe looking at or fans be thinking about pick number 28, explosive type of wide receivers who might be around and fit the bill? Well, it's tough now because you can kind of figure out, okay, where are these guys are going to go? We know – Every year there's a run on certain positions which tend to push other positions down to war where other teams select. And it's the gift and the curse of Buffalo because you're, you're always good. So you're always picking feels, feels like between 20 to 32, right? So it's going to be interesting to see where the run goes. But obviously you want guys like a Keon Coleman out of Florida State who can just really go up and get the football and, and plays above the rim like you, you kind of want him to. Um, you kind of want your receiver soon. I think Paris perfectly with to, to what they have already on the roster. Um, and, and to be honest, I, I know I just came off the Shrine Bowl and the, the Senior Bowl, but I'm a big fan of what I've seen so far from 
Michigan's wide receiver, Cornelius Johnson. I know everyone's talking about the other Michigan receiver, and justifiably so, but Cornelius Johnson was someone that worked well with his routes, got open consistently, caught the football, whether you know at the intermediate level or deeper down the field. So for me, um, those two guys just initially stood out as top-tier type guys. You know, maybe James Thrash, another one out of Louisville at the Senior Bowl, was a, a really good uh, receiver, has the explosiveness that you look for to go out there and track the football. When it comes to guys that performed at the Senior Bowl, especially, but you mentioned the Shrine Bowl as well, did anybody do well for their stock that maybe could get into that late first-round area or second-round? Because that's really, I think, where we think, Emery, that the Bills are going to target receivers. They're going to do it early and not wait on it. So did anybody kind of shoot into the, the that first day and first couple of rounds at that position? Well, you know, Dez Walker is someone that to keep an eye on out of North Carolina. I know he kind of got started late this season because of the NCAA issues. Uh, but, you know, when he was out there on the field, he was impressive. So for me, that, that's someone that, that can definitely, I can see getting into that talk. But if we're talking versatility, and I know he may not go in round one, uh, maybe not even round two, but I was a big fan of what I saw from Luke McCaffrey from Rice. Obviously, he's the brother of you know Christian McCaffrey, and we know the, the McCaffreys are an athletic family. And this is someone who has played quarterback, has played wide receiver, he can carry the football as well as a running back if you want him to, and he can play any one of the three wide receiver spots. So that's someone that I think could, could definitely find himself uh, – rising his stock as we move through the process, especially after coming off what I expect him to do uh, in Indy at the, at the combine. And Lad McConkey is another one. For whatever reason, he just gets open and is deep down the field. He's, he's explosive. And I've said this before, and people thought I was making a one-to-one comparison, but it's not a one-to-one. It's just from a stylistic standpoint. You reminds me a lot of what we used to see from Lance Allward, you know, uh, you know, Bambi, how, how light he is on his feet and just really just flies out of his cut, tracks the ball well, and he's another one that had a really good uh, performance at the senior bowl. At the top of the wide receiver, I'm curious because we had Chris Trapasso, your colleague, on. He has Malik Neighbors over Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a outlandish take. I think I've seen a couple other people there, but where do you have like the top three or three or four guys if the Bills were to say, you know what? We're going to go all in, and we're going to trade up to see if one of these guys, if they start to fall. Where would you have this this group, the top three or four guys? Well, I, uh, full disclosure, you know, I agree to a thousand. I haven't even gotten to receivers yet, so this statement is just coming off what I've seen uh, live and in passing. But that's not too far off what Chris is talking about. Neighbors, here's the thing: it's like comparing if you know everyone is talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. and and, and Malik Neighbors. Neighbors are just probably so. So uh, it's like. You, you pick your poison. Who you would you rather? Larry Fitzgerald? Would you rather Jamar Chase? They're both outstanding wide receivers. So it's all about preference. And for me, Neighbors is someone that I agree with Chris. When you feel like you watch Neighbors, he can play all three positions. He's dynamic with the ball in his hands. So it doesn't require you to throw the ball deep for him to have success. He can run a curl route, take that curl seventy yards down the field. For a touchdown, and he also can win deep and at the intermediate level. I do feel like Harrison, and again, this is just, just off live viewing, Harrison is, is a really good receiver, outstanding prospect. We know he can win above the rim, but I feel like he's sort of one-dimensional in, in what he brings to the table. He's more of a vertical guy, and that's fine, but with neighbors, 
You just have to be able to get the football to him at any capacity, and he'll do the rest. So, and Keon Coleman is another one that's just a freak athlete. I'm always shocked that he got away from LSU because he's a Baton Rouge kid. Um, and so he's, he went to Florida State, um, you know, did exceptionally well out there. And he's another one that, that just really just pops on camera, uh, on film when you're watching the games live, even when he was at Michigan State, just how excellent he is at timing his jump, going up above the rim, and just plucking the football out of the air. So if Buffalo's going to gamble, any one of those three is well worth the gamble. I noticed you didn't uh, – I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about guys like Tony Franklin, Brian Thomas. These guys are guys that are mocked to the Bills you know, in different mock drafts. What about their fit and what the Bills are looking for maybe here? Well, Thomas is another one that's intriguing because as you're watching LSU, you're watching this this bigger receiver that does the same things as Malik Neighbors. You know, he's just in the bigger package. He's another one that can take a short pass and, and, and you know, take it along. He's very good after the catch. And both guys, to me, have that C.D. Lamb quality where they're catching the football and then they're looking to score. So they're weaving through the defense. They're cutting back against the grain. Guys like that you want, man, because – that shows a level of hustle, a level of want to, and that's the type of the receiver that you want you can win with. And, and so, yeah, I mean, Brian Thomas is another one. Again, large hands, large catch radius, big body wide receiver um, that can go out there and win at different levels of the field. Emery Hunt on the West Her Hotline. When it comes to some of the other positions, safety and defensive line come to mind for Bill's needs. Um, does it feel like those are positions where they'll have options, same thing, like kind of in the first couple of rounds and even in round one? Again, I I just started my grading process, and, you know, so I, I have no clue of all the names mm-hmm. that are available, but based off what I've seen so far on the All-Star Game circuit, um, I like the defensive line. You know, there's guys that can mm-hmm. – obviously in this era of football, you got to be able to play across the front. Um and I've seen interior guys that get quick pressure. I've seen guys on the outside do a great job working with their hands. Um, and, and just thinking about what I saw last at the Senior Bowl, Gabe Hall was someone that really stood out to me out of Baylor. Um, measured in at 6'5", 298. So throughout the week they had him playing, you know, inside over the guard, you know, either as a shade or a three. And he was winning there consistently. But when you watch him, you're like, man, this guy can play a five technique. He can play on the outside as a seven. Um, he's built a lot like Chris Jones. He's a tremendous athlete. So I'm excited to see how he continues to move through this process. And then you go to someone like Jordan Miller, who I saw at the Shrine Bowl, you know, a, a squattier defensive lineman, interior defensive tackle that gets quick interior push consistently. Someone like Dwayne Carter out of Duke, you know, it's funny about him. He was a baseball player coming into Duke. That's why he was going to Duke because they would let him play baseball and <laughs> football, but he stuck with football. And he's another one that, that can play across the front end. Layatu Latu is someone that I, I've been a fan of. When I did this this Bears mock midseason, um, what I would do with the first and fourth pick, obviously I would keep Justin Fields. I said I'll take you know Harrison Jr. first, and I'm taking Latu fourth. This was before the um, the trades for Montez Sweat. So Latu, can, he has the juice off the edge. He has a twitch, and his body type, to be honest, is built a lot like Jalen Phillips was when he was coming out of UCLA and also Miami. So we know the frame can add more weight 
combined with his quickness, his twitch, and his ability to win um, with multiple have you know multiple ways into the quarterback. That's another defensive end that's that's very impressive. Before we let you go, Emery, what's your take on this top of this year's uh, quarterback class? I mean, Caleb Williams, number one. I've read some things where people thinking Drake May could fall. I, I'm a big Drake May and, fan. And I saw you, I think I saw you tweeting about it too, but there were a lot of people. Spencer Rattler also, yeah. and what he did maybe for himself last week? Yeah, it, right now it's, it's Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Spencer Rattler as my one, two, three. Um, and to throw in the, the fourth one, I, I'm a big Jordan Travis guy. I hate that he got injured because we wouldn't have got we would have got to see him in the in the playoffs too. Um, and Drake May is right now my QB five. And the thing is, there's two guys that I would take high in the draft, and that's Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels. Everyone else, you're kind of talking about maybe late first, early second, definitely. Um, but I do like Spencer Rattler as my QB three because I think people got enamored with. Caleb Williams and forgot how good Rattler was early in his career. And there's no downside to losing your job to potential number one overall pick and a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, but I think a lot of people used the down years, the down year at Oklahoma and forgot about him and wrote him off. But when you watch South Carolina, the last six games of 22 and this whole season, despite the offensive line issues, Spencer Rattler played really good football. And for what, what I've heard, uh, through interviews um, when I was out there at Mobile that other people did. He's taking ownership of what happened at Oklahoma. The one thing that he kept talking about was how he's grown and he's mature. He sounds mature. I feel like someone's going to get themselves a gym uh, in Spencer Rattler because he still has all of the arm talent that you want uh, to throw off platform, and he showcased that all throughout the week down in Mobile. Emery, thanks a lot, man. What do you got going on this year as far as the draft? You have I know you always put together a publication. You got uh, obviously people can follow you on Twitter and things like that. Yeah, uh, listen, people can pre-order the draft guide. Over one thousand individual prospects. We're talking about once again uh, footballgamesline.com/slash/2024-draft-guide. I'll be out in Vegas Wednesday through the Super Bowl for CBS Sports, and I'll be all across draft coverage as well throughout the combine and leading up to and through the NFL draft. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right. Thanks a lot, Emery. We always appreciate you, buddy. We'll catch up down the road. Appreciate you guys. All right. You got it. And uh, we apologize for a little choppiness there, but, uh, you know, hopefully passively you could hear what he was saying about some of that stuff. Football game plan uh, guide 2024 for the draft right there. Joe, interesting. We're talking quarterbacks. The Bills don't need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. They do need a backup quarterback. They don't need a starter. Mm -hmm. They need a backup. Kyle Allen's going to be a free agent. Would you like to run it back with Kyle Allen or another veteran? Or is this, are we to the maybe point where, hey, you got 10 draft picks, we think, you know, that's what it's going to be. Uh-huh. Maybe it's time to bring in a young guy. I'd throw work a, under uh, Sha- Work under Josh Allen. I'd throw a fifth or later pick at it. Six-round pick, seven, they have, they have, don't they have three sixths and two sevenths? Yeah, they do have Shane Buschel, and Shane is Shane under Buschel. contract. They signed him to a uh, futures contract. Mm-hmm. He is a younger guy. That could be your development guy. That's a one-year deal. But yeah. the advantage of getting a 
quarterback in the draft is you get him on a four-year contract and you can have him and develop him and if you think he's draft worthy then obviously he's good enough to be able to play in the league yeah at the same time the veteran guys last year did pretty well when mm-hmm. pressed into duty that's right really and i think all of the guys i'm about to mention are going to be available joe flacco did really well yep. at the end for cleveland gardner Minshew all year i don't i think he would be too expensive for the Bills, because he's probably seen as a high-end backup in the league. Had the Colts in contention all the way through. I mean, my guy Tyrod did better than Daniel Jones did last year when he was pressed into duty. I don't think, you know, I don't know if there would be a reunion there. Josh Dobbs, for half the year, did really well. And these are all veteran pieces that can probably had be had for cheap. So, I would really be open to almost anything, though. Like, the, the rookie route, there are benefits to that, and I wouldn't mind that idea at all. But, again, you had a lot of evidence last year where backup quarterbacks had to come in and didn't really embarrass themselves. And if the Bills wanted to go that route again, I would not have a problem with it at all. Bills still need a quarterback's coach as well. We talked about a little while ago today. They have do not have that position yet on staff as far as an official title. Every other position, they have a coach on staff on officially. Now, things could change, but right now they don't have an actual quarterback's coach. And as far as I can tell, that's not going to be the double duty for Joe Brady unless they add that on later. But right now he's just a uh, the offensive coordinator, quote-unquote, just the offensive coordinator. One of the guys on staff, his name is Mark Lubick. Mark Lubick has the title assistant quarterback's coach in game management. I tweeted this out, and then we had John. John on Twitter says, game management is still not good. I would try and find someone better than Lubick. Is that true? Is game management not good? You're into this stuff more than I am. You look at the analytics, the Ben Baldwin stuff. I wanted to fire back and go, no, I think it's been pretty good compared to the rest of the league over the last couple of years. The fourth down decision-making definitely is. Yeah. The other things that factor in there, challenges, I think McDermott usually is not on the positive end of that. But that's such a minor thing. I mean, how how many t- challenges yeah. does this guy have in a year? Like five, right? And he was like oh um, for a long time, and yeah. then he then he finally won a couple at the end of the year. Um, would the twelve men on the field fall into that category? Or would that be more on the special teams coordinator? I think that I don't think that's game management. Okay. I guess you could say I think game management is more like is you're clock, deciding something, clock decision making, yeah. analytics, okay, stuff like that. Because on that front, I feel like the Bills are in pretty good shape. I I, yeah. I don't have much of a problem with where they're at. I think McDermott is doing better than most coaches. I mean, a lot of those charts show that he's near the top of the league at knowing when to go for it, knowing when to punt, when to kick field goals. Um, It's not perfect. I mean, you could pick it apart and find a bunch of examples of where I would have liked to see something different. But, no, I don't think it's it's the reason why, in this instant, they didn't get over the Kansas City Chiefs. Sure. There's one example of where you could say that, but this is not the first AFC title game they went to. That, I was going to say right. the second, obviously 13 seconds at the end, too. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and that's more game planny stuff, too, anyway. The first one was right. They, they kicked a field goal to go down nine at the end of the half. Since then, I haven't really had much of a problem with like them kicking field goals versus going forward versus... And then they go for it. There's a game... I, I always point out this one example that gets forgotten about. When they went to Foxborough behind the Patriots in the AFC East in 2021... They came out and went for fourth down, I think, on their first three drives and scored two touchdowns because of it. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, of course, yeah, there could always be decisions. I mean, look at Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's the poster child for being amazing and awesome and aggressive. And then he has one in the, in the championship game where he doesn't well. and people get upset at him. Yeah. Did you know, by the way, going into that, part, and part of this, I think, is factored into, I wonder if this is more factored into teams with their own stuff on this rather than like just what you can look up for like win probability. The Lions on fourth and three or short or shorter this season were seventeen of twenty. Of course, Dan Campbell was going to go for it. It mm-hmm. wasn't just that the math said that that was the right call. It was his team in that situation this year was seventeen out of twenty. I like it. I, that's that's less guy in your ear says fifty two percent versus forty eight percent. That's my offense succeeds in this situation almost all the time. Of course I'm going for it. There's no decision to be made. So that's what got him there. And, you know, all the power to him. I think Dan Campbell also, by the way, what happened with Brandon Staley was he used to do stuff like that, and then he, for whatever reason, backed off. Whether it was the criticism or whether it was ownership that came to him and said, knock it off, whatever happened. Staley completely changed. Do and, we know? And I don't. Th- I think Dan Campbell's a strong enough personality. Mm-hmm. You can criticize him all you want. Dan Campbell's <laughs> going to do what Dan Campbell <laughs> wants right. to do. Yeah. Do we know where Jim Harbaugh is on this? Like, is there is there stuff? I know college I is different, know. but I don't know actually. Yeah. You know. And I don't know that I want to just look up what he did <laughs> right. ten years ago because no. I think a lot's changed since then. What about? Would you care what he did in college on this, or would it be? Eh, I can. I can't glean anything. Maybe from not that. because I think college. You don't have as good at field goal kickers either. I think theirs right. is pretty good, though. I don't even. I, don't I think you're also up and down. if the whole league is more, and I think this is probably true in college with that stuff, especially the Big Ten. I mean, they're playing Iowa, scoring six points a game. When the when the the league and the that you're playing in is more conservative in nature, I think you're going to be more likely to lean that way. So, I might guess that that's not going to be something Harbaugh is, you know, that aggressive in, but. I don't know. He's got other areas of his personality where he is pretty aggressive, so maybe it's possible. There's been some other interesting coaching hires over the weekend we'll get to when we come back. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe DiBiase. It's the Extra Point Show. Hope you're starting off your week and your Monday really well. We're glad you're with us today here on WGR. At this point where I am, I kind of let everybody feel how they feel. You know what I'm saying? It's not an opinion-based business. It's a money-based business and a number-based business. So for me, I try to leave the personal out of it. You know what I'm saying? My personal relationship is my personal relationship. It's for the people outside of a relationship to kind of speculate or kind of like draw conclusions or kind of figure out as they go. People that's involved in them, between the two people or anybody else involved are the people that know. So for me, you know, I get tired of <laughs> the same story over and over. You know it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? For everybody else, it's a new offseason for you to play around with. I mean, decipher the code. <laughs> Stephon I think Diggs. that was him. That was him being asked whether he'll be a Bill next year, and that was the answer. And he went in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Well, it's, I take my personal and the financial, and you got to talk to this, and it's a new off season, and okay, uh, it's just more stuff for us to left. Look at the the NFL is the ultimate soap opera, right? It really is a true life soap opera. That's what it is all the time, every day. We have more of this coming out. This whole Ben Johnson, Washington Commanders thing that's going on. Did you see this? Yeah. Ben Johnson and how he left them at the altar, essentially. They're very mad. Yeah. They were on a flight. The yeah, Commanders so were on a flight to Michigan. And he, his agent told them he's out. 
He wanted to. The commanders are making it sound like, or trying to, I think, through this athletic piece that just came out, make it sound like he just wanted too much money. That he was holding mm. us hostage for too much money. Mm. And then, by the way, what's also in here is that, I mean, that poor uh, Dan Quinn, you know, they're getting buried out here because the commanders wanted Ben Johnson. They're flying out to get him. Okay, well, now that just fell through. Embarrassing. What the heck? We didn't get our guy. What'd they do? They circled back around and said, okay, we think we're going to get Mike McDonald. And the Seahawks came in at the 11th hour and offered him more money that the commanders were not willing to match. So they lost Mike McDonald. Now they go to Dan Quinn. Third option. They wanted Ben Johnson. Um, Washington thought it was a lock hire. I mean, he really, it sounds like, it sounds like they are trying to do cleanup duty. And I don't know how good of a job they're doing it because it kind of sounds to me like same old Washington. Same old Washington in that just there's there's communication issues here. Uh-huh. And what do you mean you're not willing to match? I mean, if you really wanted him as your A game, like how come the money the, is still up in the air when you're on the flight to go to go get him? Well, there was another thing I read over the weekend where coming from like there's there's a lot of he said he said going on here. There's a yes, there's right? A lot, there's a, there was something else I read over the weekend where like people like somebody from Johnson's side must have leaked that he just was not convinced that they were all about winning in football or something like that. Yeah, there was a right? little bit of that too. Yeah. And then there was another thing he didn't interview well. I don't know. It is incredible drama when you think about it. Like what is going on here? I mean, it at the end of the day, I don't know if anybody looks good coming out of all this, to be quite honest with you. Joe. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Go if you go to Wikipedia and you type in however you want to do it, that's my easiest way. NFL head coaches, and you can go and you can sort them by when they're hired. So you have all the new coaches. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven new coaches in the NFL. Josh, play some NFL music if we can, all right? All right, Joe, we have seven new NFL coaches. All right, tell me when you have them seven all. Seven does not count uh, Antonio Pierce? It does. It does count him. We okay. have seven new full-time uh, – ho- oh, wait, oh, wait, would he co- come in at- Oh, eight, eight, you're right. If, I'm going to go – Because I don't know what his hire date would count as. Eight new full-time coaches for next okay. year, all right? Let's rank them in order of who did the best job here. For okay. whatever reason you want. Doesn't have to be because they got the best coach. Mm-hmm. They just did the best job. Maybe it was a bad job and they got a good coach. Something mm-hmm. like that, right? All right. Let's uh, let's sort through this. Okay. Mm, this might be tough on the fly. All right. All right. My, I, I'm going to start right. and go top. I'm going to go bottom of top. Eight. See if you agree with me on this one. Then you go next. Okay. I think the Carolina Panthers and Dave Canales, what in the world does that do for me? Dave Canales in Carolina, I don't know. Am I I'm just hiring a guy in my division who did mm-hmm. a decent job with the offense, but I'm not really kind of sure and where where is this guy? What's he got? Uh he was with Seattle. Mhm. I mean, I guess he did a nice job with Geno Smith. Mhm. Okay, I can get behind that. Maybe I'm just penalizing the team and what they don't have too much here, but it doesn't bit. inspire me at all. I wouldn't put it last. Okay. But it's not my favorite. He also, uh, two things. He's a handsome man, that's for sure. <laughs> and also, he's got a bit of a strange admission in a book about oh. him and his wife. Really? I haven't he read is, that he yet. Is a, he has an addiction. Uh, not like a not like a serious one. Okay. That is kind of funny and like weird that someone would be willing to admit it. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll leave it there. If you if you now really you have me intrigued. Go, you can go find. He might have risen up my board after this, but go ahead. Um, I wouldn't put that last. Who would you put last? I 
think I'd put the Commanders with Daniel. Okay, Lewis. I can get behind this. Maybe I would even flip after thinking about. And this. part of it is what we just went through—that he's their third choice. I've seen him as a head coach before, not all that impressed. And the last time we saw him, his defense in Dallas got lit up, forty-eight points by the by the Packers in a playoff uh-huh. game. Yeah, I, I'm. I think Dan Quinn's going to be my last choice, in, in part because he was the Commanders' third choice. You know what? I, I'll I'll agree with you. We'll go eight. Dan Quinn. We'll u- use yours. Seven. Will you go Canales seven, or sure. do you want to put him higher? No, I'll go Canales seven. Okay, that's fine. Who's next? What team did the best job, worst mm. job, whatever they got here? You got Antonio Pierce, Raheem Morris, Jim Harbaugh, Gerard Mayo, Mike McDonald on the list. I personally am tempted to go Gerard Mayo here. Ooh, okay. But I don't know if I. it's even an indictment for me on Mayo. It's just that the Patriots deciding to just, mm-hmm. we'll go with the Belichick coach tree, just keep it in-house. I don't know. Wasn't the right idea for them to just start fresh, rip the Band-Aid off, but I guess he was always in line to be the guy there. If it's not him... I, I, it's, it's between Mayo and Morris what for about, me personally. What about Brian Callahan? I'd go a little higher with him. Okay. Same thing for him, though. He's not hes not someone that really excites me, even though he's... Mm-hmm. Well, I guess he wasn't the play caller in Cincinnati. He was Zach Taylor. Um, I'd go Mayo, personally, but I'm don't, I don't have a... Dis, I'm not decisive, I guess, about anybody here. I hear what you're saying on Mayo, and I don't know. I'm going to go Mayo. I'll I'll agree there, and I'm going to go Callahan next. Okay, good because with that. I just don't. I don't know much about him from an offensive philosophy standpoint and what they're getting, other than again he worked under Zach Taylor, who yep. worked under Sean McVay. That's one had, of those two degrees of separation from Sean McVay. Yeah, I mean he's going to be one of those. I just, he had to, he was in the building when Joe Burrow became Joe yes, Burrow, so yes. you kind of just get the job that way. But if you look at his career before that, there's really nothing. I mean, there, he's 39, so there's not a long career in the first place. But Lions quarterback coach, Raiders quarterback coach with Carr and, you know, the end of Stafford there who were already kind of proven guys. I mean, he was around when Burrow became Burrow. So, like, all right, he gets a crack at it, but we never see him as a play caller. Um, so I definitely have questions, especially because, real quick, Cincinnati's not really a scheming offense. They're kind of a line... For as much as they said this about the Bills' defense, they're a little bit of a lineup-and-play offense and <laughs> right. just win by their talent. So I don't know how well a coach from that tree is going to do. We'll see. Quinn, Canales, Mayo, Callahan. How about four? I think I might go Raheem Morris. Okay. I've already seen it. It wasn't amazing. Um, I give them credit for going outside the box here and what people thought. I do like that. Because everyone thought they were going to go Belichick. So he, he, and, and there were other guys they brought in, but he must have been... Yeah. Really, really impressive. I guess he also has had a relationship with the owner yeah. for a couple of years. He uh-huh. actually, how often does this happen? He was their interim coach three years ago. Oh, wow. And then left and then came back. Okay. Not not as an indictment against him. He went to L.A. You're right. They had a good defense when they won the Super Bowl. Um, 2020, yep. So, so that's one of those deals where you're like, I've always liked this guy. He left the building. We'd love to have him back someday. That's a, that's a good That's a good endorsement from a team when, you, when they go that way. Yep, that's right? true. I like that. I like I like when that happens. Um, okay, so Morris, number four. Number three, what do we have left? We have Jim Harbaugh, Mike mm-hmm. McDonald, mm-hmm. and Antonio Pierce. I'd go Pierce here. Okay. I mean, I think that's kind of what they had to do, especially they had the same situation a couple years ago, and they think made the wrong choice when they went for Josh McDaniels. Um, the guy that kind of turned things around, 
I feel like you kind of had to do it with Pierce. The players were really making it known. Yeah. Like, they wanted him. Yep. You might have had an issue on your hand. And, of course, you could, hey, you're under contract. You're the players. You go play, right? I get it. From what I've read about him, he is, and this might be good for the Raiders, he'll be kind of that CEO type. Like, you're not going to have him calling defensive plays. You're not going to have him, draw, like, building these insane right. uh, game plans. Although he will do some of that, too. Um but I think the more the value that they're really getting is he's going to like be the leader of that organization. Back to uh, the previous conversation. Why did Shanahan bolt from there to go to the? Keep... Shanahan was going to be Shanahan? the Raiders. Uh, I'm sorry, Cliff Kingsbury. My Kingsbury. Fault. Kingsbury. Kingsbury was going to be the Raiders. I don't. That know. was all the reporting, and then bam, he's with. He didn't. He withdrew to go to Washington. Do we know what happened there? Did Washington just come over the top and say, "Don't go there. We'll give you way more money"? Was it? Maybe. I don't like my situation here. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of, again more drama here. Yeah, why that happened? I don't actually know. Other than, did they just do what? Ha- did they just do to the Raiders what happened to them? Well, what they what they think happened with Seattle, where they thought they were getting McDonald and Seattle came in at the eleventh hour and offered them more money. Did they just do the same thing to Cliff Kingsbury? Did those owners go, "Hey, I guess this happens in the league. Maybe we should try it." <laughs> He's going to the Raiders. Wait, call him. Maybe offer him an extra $2 million. <laughs> See if he comes. I'm guessing then Mike McDonald is two for you. Jim Harbaugh will be one. Ooh, you're, you're, you got this look on your face like you might go the other way. I think I might go Harbaugh, too. Wow. Okay. I really might. The yeah. universally lauded Jim Harbaugh. Oh, my God. Hit it out of the park. Home run. Chargers. They made it happen. Harbaugh's finally back. And Joe says, nope. He's the second best hire yeah. for what teams could have and what they did and how they went about it. Number one is Mike McDonald. Why? I mean, I've, I'm have i going to give the credit here to the likes of the Mina Kimeses of the world and the, the Ben Solaks. Okay. Um, Dan Orlovsky a little bit too, but Mina Kimes especially sold me on Mike McDonald and the value he provided to the Ravens. So what he can do, like he is the guy right now, more than Vic Fangio we thought was this. No, the guy right now that more than anybody has answers for the McDaniel, the Shanahan, Mm. the McVay offense is this guy. Yes. And he's also the youngest coach in the league. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit why I want to put it above Harbaugh. Because if Harbaugh goes really well for the Chargers, it might be it'll be good, really good for them. What do you think? Five to ten years max, which is I'm not saying that's not a bad thing, but you're not having him for forever. If Mike McDan- Mike McDonald, excuse me, is a yep. great head coach and he is as good defensively as they say, and he's going to be the next Pete Carroll, which they're talking about in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy's going to be could be their head coach for decades because of how young I mean, he is. He is kind I know of I'm like, giving him a lot of credit yeah, by yeah, saying yeah, that, yeah. but. I, I, despite being the defensive mind, the what he has done to these offenses, I think is incredibly valuable. I like that thought, and I mean, as of right now, the NFC is not the harder conference to come out of. And if you can yeah. stop, if you can do some nice things there, you have a chance. Yeah, to get out of there. And also, I'm giving Jim Harbaugh a little bit of a downgrade to number two because. Okay. Is he doing the Belichick thing where he's just hiring the guys he knows? You're bringing Greg Roman in to be the offensive coordinator. Yeah, Did I don't you just love see that. how that went in Baltimore? Yeah. The guy can't des- has Greg Roman. Look, look up his career. Maybe I'm missing one. Has he ever had an efficient passing offense? 
We know he can design an offense around a running. Is he going to be the? Is he going to be the Chargers' offensive coordinator? That's the other thing. We don't know. He's going to be in a prominent role. Okay. I don't know what that means. That usually would sound like offensive coordinator. The guy can only design offenses around running quarterbacks. Right. That's what would scare me. What in the world is he going to build around Justin Herbert? I don't trust that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, Greg Roman would not, to me, be the fit for for Herbert. Justin Herbert. Not the guy I would be looking for. Here's Greg Roman's passing offenses as offensive coordinator. Uh just passing off until one. Here we go. 29th, 23rd, 30th, 30th, 28th, 30th, 27th, 32nd, 13th, 28th. Those are his passing offenses. Not what I would want with Justin Herbert. All right. Joe has uh, Mike McDonald. By the way, thank goodness Josh McDaniels is not a head coach anymore. We'd have Josh McDaniels, Mike oh. McDaniels, and Mike McDonald. And he's probably not going to be an offensive coordinator because Belichick didn't get a job. And you see Steve Belichick is going back to college? No. Where? Yes. As a head coach? No. Oh. Steve... Belichick is leaving the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Here we go. Washington. Defensive, oh, oh. defensive coordinator. To University of Washington, right? University of Washington. Not yep. not Washington Commanders, right? No, no, no. Okay. University of Washington. Yep. Yes, there you go. There you go. Going back to college. Hmm. Steve Belichick. Who would have thought neither Belichick, Bill or Steve, would be in the NFL on staff? Mm-hmm. In 2024, if you'd have asked, hey, a year maybe, or two ago. maybe he can ask Washington if they got a job for Bill. <laughs> hey, can my pops come along with me? He's pretty good. He's got all these rings. Nobody wants to hire him in the NFL. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and wrap up your Monday on the Extra Point Show. you watch any of this stuff this weekend? All-Star, Pro uh, Bowl. I watched pretty much all the skills competition because it was at a golf simulator. It was on. Oh, yeah. So we were watching that. We also did like a draft, all of us that were at the simulator. Okay. Uh, and like whoever had the most points, if you threw bucks down, a few bucks down, winner god, whatever. Guess who I picked in my first round pick? Wait, what, what are you drafting here? We were drafting guys in the skills competition. Oh. I picked Kucherov, who then proceeded to not try the oh, whole what? thing. Okay, please tell me this, the deal with this. I my timeline oh. is filled with how Kucherov was an embarrassment. He totally he was either what was going on here drinking before maybe I don't I don't even want to put that on him, but he just didn't care. Like the other guys were trying, like hey, like they're skating up and down the ice, like you got to skate to your and Kucherov's just kind of you know moseying through it, and he's kind of. Throws the puck this way, and he's getting booed while this is happening because everyone knows he's not putting any effort in whatsoever. Which at that point, all of the players weren't competing. If you didn't want to do it, you didn't have to do it. But he showed up and decided to put zero effort into the whole thing. I don't. Is there a reason that we know? Like what happened here? I, I don't know. He didn't really explain it. I was wondering: was he doing a protest because Russia is not involved in these tournaments the NHL is announcing? I was the only thing I could think of, but he didn't say that after the game. He was getting booed relentlessly, and he deserved to be. He should not have. It was a total disgrace. Not just because I had him in this little betting game we had, too. Yeah, we don't know anything about this afterwards. Right? He just, wasn't a, no, he just, got it. he just didn't care. Well, we care. We'll yeah. be back tomorrow enough because we care enough about you. And Sabres Live is up next. Hey, how about that? Sabres are back in action tomorrow night. Sabres Live up next. One Bills Live after that. 
Uh, Shopin' the Bulldog, of course, coming your way at 3 o'clock. Joe and I will be back here tomorrow at 10. We have Eric Wood lined up for tomorrow. So looking forward to talking to him here on the Extra Point Show. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.